So great to see so many wonderful faces this morning. And uh, let's be honest, and you can, you can just feed back to me by uh, a show of hands this morning. Who has turned on the thermostat? Okay, we're about, I don't know, I'm going to call that 30, 40% in the room. Now I'm from the north. Uh, and being from the north, I could go for another two months. Uh, Libby is from the south, so she could have done it two weeks ago. And so we have turned our thermostat on. And uh, welcome to the call, it's good. Um, my name's Julian, I'm one of the senior pastors here, along with my wife Libby, and it's my pleasure to continue our, our series this morning, looking at the great pursuit. And the great pursuit is all about pursuing Jesus. And a couple of weeks ago, Libby kicked off our series uh, talking about sitting at the feet and she brought some really great reflections as we began this journey uh, about how we can get wrapped up in the, the, the doing of life and forget that we need to sit at the feet of Jesus. And one of the things that she said that really challenged me um, was that obeying Jesus is sometimes the most challenging thing. And one of the first things that we're asked to obey uh, is the, the obedience to rest. If you read the book of Genesis, the very first thing humanity is asked to do, uh, once, once the Lord has created humanity, he's done all of his work, he rests. And the very first thing he, he says to Adam and Eve is rest. And so, so that's the first command, but actually it's the one that we often struggle with uh, the most. And then Brian did a brilliant job last week talking about the audience of one and how sometimes we can get wrapped up in uh, validation in so many different ways that actually we, we live in a world that encourages us to um, draw attention in so many different ways, social media being one of the most obvious and the most prevalent. But actually, what does it mean to live for the audience of one? What does it mean to humble ourselves before the Lord and to draw attention from our Heavenly Father rather than seeking validation? from the world. Again, that was a huge challenge to me and hopefully we're going to go a little bit deeper this morning as we talk about uh, hearing and listening. And um, you know, we prayed that prayer earlier and I, I just think we, we were in a very chaotic time in history, certainly in my lifetime. Uh, and my prayer and encouragement to all of us is that as we go forward in these coming years, we're probably going to see more polarization. We're probably going to see more um, things like this pressing in, holding us in different tensions. But the challenge for you and I as Christians is, what does it mean to be Jesus in the middle of these moments? What does it mean to be peacemakers? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will inherit the earth. What does it mean to carry the voice of the Lord in all circumstances? And that's going to be a huge challenge in our daily prayer lives, a huge challenge in your workplace, a huge challenge in your families. But actually, how do I have the mind of Christ, as we've been talking about for so many months, in all uh, things? And so this morning, hopefully we go a little bit deeper on that. Um, as of 2019, it's well documented that our attention spans, on social media in particular, are, anyone want to guess how many seconds? Six, two, any takers? Ten. Ten's ambitious. It's three seconds. Three seconds. There's a lot of data, a lot of information on this. Um, that if your attention isn't grabbed by your social media within three seconds, you will have moved on. You will have scrolled past. And so there's industries um, literally pouring hundreds of millions into grabbing your attention within the first three seconds of you seeing something. And that's bleeding over into so many different areas of our lives. When you look at a movie trailer, when you look at advertisement down the road, when you look at anybody trying to draw your attention, it's quick, it's fast, it's intense. Uh, and what's happened is that we're slowly being conditioned to not give our attention away so freely. 
right? So if, if something doesn't entertain us or engage us, we're, we're gone within the first three seconds. But actually, what we're doing is we're giving our attention to less things. And so what we're doing is we're hearing lots of things, but we're not necessarily listening to what they're saying. And that's the challenge I, I really felt the Lord press on me to share this morning is that there's one thing to hear, but it's another thing to listen, like we hear things all the time, we hear uh, lots of noise and the consequence is that we're, we, we've got a lot out there, a lot accessible to us, a lot at our fingertips, but we're not necessarily better connected, we're not necessarily better engaging with one another because of those things. So listening involves thoughtful consideration, it involves understanding, it requires empathy and conscientiousness and patience. Who here has buckets of patience to go around? There's less hands on that one, right? Uh, here's uh, something that I, I used to say, uh, and we all know that patience is a virtue, but uh, I'm told I should be more patient, but I just don't have time for that. <laughs> right, I, I, want it, I want it now, I want it immediately, and I've got um, a limited track record in patience. Anyone that knows me all that well, who, who have known me for years, will know that I haven't got the, the best reputation for waiting uh, for, for something good or waiting for something that takes time. And so um, it's not all bad, like sometimes it's good to, to know what you want, sometimes it's good to make a decision quickly, sometimes it's good to press into things from your gut uh, and want that go-go action, but every now and then you need to be patient and you need to be thoughtful and it's something that the Lord's added to me over the years. If any of you have met me um, most recently and you thought, wow, this guy's got some patience, it can only be the goodness of God. It can only be a testimony to the power of the Holy Spirit in my life because I want it now. Uh, I, I want that, uh, the fast-pacedness of life. I want uh, immediacy. I want action as we go. But I feel like the Lord has just been added to me, particularly in these past five years and more so in this past year. The Lord's word to me was be patient. I'm like, oh, man. No, I don't want to be patient. And um, I, I see it with my, my son, you know, um, I've talked about our eating habits. Food's a big thing to our family. And um, I've got to be patient with him when he eats. And one of the fruits of the spirit is patience. And he doesn't like eating all the varieties of fruit, but I know there's some fruits, if I get him to eat them, they're good for him. They're nutritious. And I feel like the father gave that to me as a word, that there's some fruits that you need to eat of, Julian. And I don't want to eat of them, but they're good for you. And one of the fruits of the spirit is patience. And so the Lord's just been taking me through this thing of waiting. Actually, hold fire on that. Don't be the first to speak on that. Don't be the first to respond and react. Wait, give space to others. And I'm a bit like... Yeah, but I know, you know, I want to keep going. I want to get going. But the Lord is saying, just wait, be patient. And it's infuriating. You know, a pine tree takes uh, maybe a decade to grow. And you can harvest it. And you can get some wood. You can get a nice pine table. But an oak tree it takes about 100 years to get a good oak tree. And the difference between the two is they're both woods. They're both things that grow. They're both things that can be used. But one is much harder, much stronger, much deeper, longer lasting, healthier because it's taken time and again the Lord presses that word on me just be patient in all things and maybe you're in a place of frustration in your life maybe you're a little bit agitated maybe you're feeling a little bit impatient maybe you want to get things going maybe you're ready for the next thing and actually it can be the hardest thing to just sit in that moment and go just wait and often when we do that what we find is that the Lord brings us to something that is much stronger much deeper much more well established, but we live in a microwave generation, right? About 50 years ago, the microwave was invented and it, this is, this is no um, light statement, it revolutionized our lives. 
Like we can cook food in 75% less time than we used to be able to 60 years ago. And so uh, we, we want to pop something in the microwave and we want to wait for the five minutes and have our food rather than have something that's oven cooked or slow cooked. Unless, of course, we've been really diligent and set the timer and gone out. Now, we want things air fried. We want things instant. We want McDonald's sometimes. Uh, we go through... Uh, and what happens is we get really impatient when we don't get that immediate feeding, that immediate response, that, um, that sense of, I've got it now. And one of the things I, I love about living in London is that I can get same-day delivery. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's, that's amazing. But that's now created an impatience in me. Because if I've got to wait till tomorrow to get something, that's too long. Who can wait till tomorrow? And so... This impatience is sort of pressed in us, this microwave generation, this fast food living, this instant, this nowness. And, and someone asked me, what, do you, what else do you love about living in London? Actually, the driving is pretty good. Here it's very fast, it's nippy. I call it polite aggressive. And so there's like an understanding, you know, you sort of barge out onto the road, but it's okay because you can make our, I can give a bit of nod, it's all good. In the north, it's very relaxed, very sleepy and drifty, not indicate and... <laughs> Dude, yeah, uh, I've got to be kind to, to my siblings up the north. And um, the reality is, like, we, I'm conditioned to instant. And again, it's not always a bad thing because we can do more. And, you know, the great selling point of all these things was, well, it will give you more time to unwind, it'll give you more time to relax. But what we do is we just fill it with more stuff, more intensity, more busyness and we don't take time to take stock we don't take time to pause we don't take time to ease off the gas pedal as the saying goes and so the challenge I've had in in busyness and I'm sure you've had this as well is hearing and listening hearing and listening and you can walk down the street and realize instantly there's a subtle difference between the two right straight away you know we hear things all the time you hear noise all the time. You can walk down Sutton High Street and you can hear chatter. Okay, you can hear noises going off. Sometimes they're encouraging, sometimes they're anxiety inducing. And you can hear conversations going on. But the reality is you don't really know what people are saying. Because you're hearing it, but you're not listening to it. Right? You can stand in a supermarket queue and people are talking all around you and you're hearing that noise, but you're not necessarily paying attention. When I'm stood at little and I'm chatting with uh, whoever's in the queue, it's my tendency to do that. And um, what I find is that I'm hearing what they're saying, you know, oh, yeah, this is, this is my son, and um, we've just come home from school, we're just getting a few bits of food, and you know how life is. And, but also, I can be hearing what they're saying, but even still not necessarily listening to what they're also trying to tell me through their inflection, through their tone, through their mannerisms, through their facial expressions. When you see someone in church, maybe this morning, you've said to somebody, how are you doing? And they've said... I'm fine. Now you're hearing them say I'm fine, but are we also listening to what they're maybe really saying to us? Because there's I'm fine, and there's I'm fine. There's a difference between those two, and what we've, we've done when we read someone's facial expression, we lean into and we pay attention to them, is we're listening to them. Are you really fine? Maybe we'll even go a bit deeper. Are you really fine? How has your week gone? How can we pray for you? How can we support you? How can we stand with you. And so really the art of our pursuit, our great pursuit in following Jesus is how do we pay attention? How do we go from hearing to listening? And there's this wonderful quote um, from C.S. Lewis. I do love a C.S. Lewis quote. Uh, he wrote the, the book set Chronicles of Narnia. In, 
In one of the books, there's this uh, line from Aslan, who's this character who's a lion. Uh, and he says this, I am in your world, said Aslan, but there I have another name. And you must learn to know me by that name. This was the very reason why you were brought to Narnia, that by knowing me here for a little, you may know me better there. Spoiler alert. If you don't know anything about the Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan is a portrayal of Jesus. C.S. Lewis said he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, not really expecting to write Aslan into the story, and he burst onto the scene. And it was Jesus in the form of this character playing a role through this story, and actually it was a telling of, uh, this is Jesus, but I'm known by another name in your world, this analogy. And almost what the quote is saying, if you read between the lines, is you can hear about me in your world, but if you listen and pay attention, you'll discover me as Jesus. You can hear about me as Aslan in the story, but if you listen to what's going on around you, you'll discover Jesus in the middle of it. It's a beautiful piece of literature, a beautiful answer to the way in which C.S. Lewis sees us encountering Jesus for the first time. And what we see is the whole of creation proclaims the glory of God. Like everything around us, everything that's underneath the things we see, created by our Heavenly Father. And so the whole of our existence speaks to who he is. And we can hear that and we can exist within that. But when we start to pay attention, we start to see the glory of God in things. Forgive me, this might be a little bit cheesy, but if you've ever watched the sunset, or if you've ever climbed a mountain, I feel like I could make a song out of this. You'd be good, Lisa, at making a song. It's a little bit cheesy, but it is true. It starts to testify to the glory of God. And what we see is now when we pay attention to that, We're not hearing, we're listening. Libby and I got the chance to go away uh, last week to to Wales and one of the things I loved about it was there's no signal. And the problem is there's no shops as well. Um, No amenities, 20 minutes drive everywhere. uh, um, Down one single track, dangerous. Um, But what we loved about it is what we we just got away from noise and we we decompressed and we were able to, to not only almost hear what was going around us, but listen to the way in which our beautiful land testifies to the glory of God. And it stirs something within you, excites something within you. And maybe some of you are used to going for a walk and you have that experience where you realize actually all things speak to the glory of God. And so what we're doing in those moments is we're listening. We're paying attention to the God who is always speaking, to the God who is always looking to reach us, always looking to stir us, always looking to connect with us. The difference between moments like this on a Sunday morning and your every day is right now we're creating space to lean in and listen. Right? We can go about our week. It's not that God is any less present. It's not that God is any less with us. It's just right now we're carving out time to be together and to be in his presence. And the most obvious way to do that is prayer. And it's something you, you will be very familiar with if you've been a Christian for more than a day. Uh, Prayer is, is essential. It's, we call it the lifeblood. It is crucial, but it's, it's more than just speaking to God. It's more than just talking to God. And when I was younger, I, I sort of went on this journey as a teenager. What would it be like to hear from God from the very beginning? And I went back to the start of Genesis. And I thought, I'm going to try and read the Bible start to finish with no assumptions, no presuppositions of who God is or how he works or how he speaks. What would it be like to hear for the very first time? And you get past the first 11 chapters, what was called the, the poetic writings of Genesis, and you hit chapter uh, 12 where we're introduced to this guy called Abraham. And Abraham's the first one where we kind of see a bit of a prayer conversation, a bit of a, 
a back and forth between God. And what's really interesting about Abraham is he's 75 when he first has this experience. That's like a long time to wait to begin your prayer life. And then not only that, God speaks to him around about six or seven times, and one of them's 15 years apart. Have you ever been frustrated about a prayer request? Like you prayed for something, two weeks later, nothing. Three weeks later, nothing. 15 years, Abraham prays, and the Lord speaks to him. And what you realize as you read from the beginning, what is it like for God to speak and interact with humanity, as we're told he so desires to do, what we realize is that God sparingly speaks, but he frequently guides. Like very rarely do you hear that 15 year moment that Abraham has and it's very clear and it's very precise. But more often than not, we get nudges and we get conviction. We call that the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We get this unction, this sense. We get revelation. We get moments that spark off in us, that lead us and guide us. And every now and then we get a moment of speaking. And I don't know if you've ever thought of prayer like that, but that's actually the majority of prayer. Very little of it is us saying things to God. Because he already knows our hearts. And there's also when we pray, we think we know what we need. (laughs) But God knows our hearts. He knows what we actually need. And so actually, as we begin to think about prayer, it's more about hearing, but more specifically about listening in those moments. If you've got a Bible, would you turn with me to Matthew 13? This is the heart of uh, uh, what we're sharing this morning and we're going to read from verse 10 if you haven't got a bible if you don't worry it's going to come up on screen Matthew 13 verse 10 to 16 it's a bit of a unique passage for this kind of topic but go with me uh, verse 10 says this the disciples came to Jesus and asked why do you speak to people in parables it's a good question he replied because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you but not to them Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. He's largely talking about the religious elite. He's largely talking about those who think they know God, who had this air of superiority, um, had really religion and routine rather than a heart connection with the Lord. And says, this is why I speak to them in parables, verse 13. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their eyes, and they have closed their... Sorry, you can't hear with your eyes. Uh, (laughs) If you can, please see me at the end. We will pray for you. They hardly hear with their ears. And they have closed their eyes. We're reading the Bible. Let's be serious. Um, Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, got the right order, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. But blessed are are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Say that fast three times. Then say it backwards. That would be tricky. Um, If I was Jesus, I'd answer with another parable. Because that's actually what's typical of uh, rabbis. More more typically, rabbis answer a question with a question. Jesus, why do you talk to the people in parables? Uh, You'd be expecting him to to respond with a a question that would draw them deeper, that would draw them to think about it, that would create a bit of um, curiosity within the disciples. But he actually speaks to them quite plainly. And he's kind to them. And in conversation with Jesus, they have this revelation. 
They have this, this moment that other people haven't had because Jesus had been teaching in parables, stories, analogies to depict what the kingdom of heaven is like, to teach them the ways of the Lord. And the disciples get like a, a, a behind the scenes, a VIP experience almost. They go after the show a little bit uh, and they speak with Jesus and he just speaks with them plainly and simply. And I long for him to do that with me from time to time. I don't always get that experience. Sometimes I am just left feeling a bit confused and asking the questions. Um, but he's kind to them in this moment and he speaks plainly. And in doing that, they find themselves being able to connect with God in a more substantial way. And we're going to come to why that's significant in the moment. But the story's told of a, a young boy and his rabbi. And the young boy says the same thing to the rabbi. Uh, rabbi, why do you always answer a question with a question? And the rabbi says, why do you think I do that? <laughs> it's, not, it's not helpful. But actually, as we've got hindsight, we look back over the Bible. We look back over the teachings of Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit to help us. We have every good thing at our fingertips to help us engage with the Lord, to help grow us in our faith, to help stir us in our hearts. But as we take those things, we can shelve them or we can use them. Right? We can put them to one side or we can lean into those things. And what we find is, in conversation, we have revelation. And the first thing that struck me about this, I want to give you four things this morning that, that helped me go deeper in my faith, that helped me lean into what the Lord is saying, that helped me go from hearing to listening. The first thing is conversation. It might not be the most obvious one. And I'm not talking about prayers or conversation between us and God. I'm actually talking about conversation amongst each other. Because the Bible says here, in verse 10, the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to these people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. And I look at that and immediately I go, well, if I want to understand more about the kingdom of heaven, if I want to understand more about my heavenly father, it's worth talking to people that are kingdom people. It's worth getting around people who are kingdom people. And actually, revelation happens in conversation. And when we meet with one another, someone might spark an idea off in you. More often than not, when you see me typing on my phone, I am taking notes during the sermon. right? But, but more often than not, someone who's preaching sparks something in me. Because there's someone who's a kingdom person sharing something that just ignites something in me. I call it revelation. I call it the Holy Spirit stirring me. But it could happen anywhere. It can happen when you, you spend some quality time with, with some of your small group, co, small groupers? Yeah, members. That's a great, yeah, small group members. It could, be, it could happen on a small group now, but also it can happen over coffee. It can happen over a walk. If I get around kingdom people, I'm going to be stirred for the kingdom. And I'm going to be stirred by by these, these revelations. When I meet with Lisa, who's a good friend of ours who's staying with us the weekend, when we speak, we're just talking about life. We're just talking about what's going on. But she might drop something that the Lord has shared to her. It sparks something in me because I'm around kingdom people. So the first thing is conversation. The next thing is malleable reflection. I couldn't find any simpler way of saying this because it is very specific. Malleable reflection. Verse 15, for the people's hearts had become calloused. And this, this is Jesus' response when the disciple says, why do you speak to them in parables? And it's almost like there's a sense in which parables are, are giving you the truths of the kingdom. Truths about who God is. But if you're not malleable, you'll not be able to hear them. And malleable just means that I'm able to be molded. I'm able to be shaped by what I hear. I'm not stubborn. I'm not hard-hearted. Because verse 15 says they'd become calloused. And then further on, it says that, that they don't understand with their hearts. And if they did understand with their hearts and turn to me, this is Jesus speaking, I would heal them. 
Have you ever been in a situation where you're in it, but you're out of it? Right? Where, where you're not feeling it, but you're present. Maybe it's a party you've been invited to that you didn't want to go to. Right? Maybe it's a networking event for work. Hands up if you love a networking event. Again, two people, right? So you go to these things and you're in it, but you're not in it. You're just, you're mentally vacant. The lights are on, but no one's home. You're like, yeah, I'm just going to stand by the drink station and don't make eye contact. I'll look at the floor. And um, I actually do really well in, in, in unknown environments, but I used to hate it. And it's really just for years of pain and suffering that I've learned to, to speak to strangers. And so... Uh, in those moments, I realized that I had to learn to get in it and stay in it rather than be in it and feel out of it. Um, often what it was is that I was hearing what was happening in the room, but I didn't really want to listen, didn't want to pay attention, didn't want to be there because I felt uncomfortable. And the more I pushed myself, I started to grow in those things. But it's actually possible to be like that with the Lord. I realized it's possible to be like that with God because we can be in it and we can go through the motions and we can do the things that we do every single Sunday and we can do the things that we do on a regular basis that represent our faith, but we can switch off in our hearts. And so we're in it, but we're not in it, right? We're going through the motions, but our heart's a little bit vacant. Have you ever had that? I mean, uh, let, me, let me just confess with you, there's been times in worship where I'm just singing the words, but my mind's elsewhere. My heart's elsewhere. I'm in it, but I'm not in it. And then two of us can leave the room. You know, Lisa and I, um, we're, if there was a spectrum of creativity and like um, self-expression. Lisa would be over here as, you know, a, a firecracker. I would be right on the other end as a big internalizer. But if I was vacant and I was kind of in it, but not in it, Lisa could go out and go, I've just met with the Lord. Just felt the presence of God and I'd be like, ah. And the difference is that my heart and my mind is just elsewhere. Because the reality is that we're always in the presence of God. God is everywhere. But the difference between me and Lisa is Lisa's paying attention. She's listening. I'm just hearing. And so that's, that's really the challenge. Are we malleable in our reflections? Are we coming to it with everything we've got and saying, Lord, here I am. Shape my heart. Make me more like Jesus. When I open my Bible, am I reading it? Not because I just feel like I've got to read it or I've got to tick a daily plan or a weekly reading plan. But Lord, are you shaping me through this? Holy Spirit, would you teach me something through your word? When I pray, God, I'm going to sit and listen and pay attention. Which brings me to my next thing, which is stillness. I really struggle with this. Really struggle with this. I don't like to be still. I like to be active. I like to be on the go. I like to always have something at hand to do. Verse 16, but blessed are you are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. When I was on holiday last week, we were in the middle of nowhere and Libby and I had managed to put Judah to sleep. And we got a glass of wine and we looked up it with no false light. Have you ever done that in a place where there's just no, there's no false light? There's no light switch. And you look up at the sky and on a clear night, you start to see the stars. And we saw about five or six stars and we, we just sat there talking and looking up at the sky, and five minutes go by, all of a sudden we can see 20 stars. You know what I'm talking about. You've had this, maybe this experience before. Uh, throughout our conversation, we're just, we're talking, but we're, we're still looking, and Libby sees a shooting star, she claims. Uh, and I didn't see it. Uh, 15 minutes go by, I, I lost count. There's hundreds, thousands. I couldn't, we could see so deep into the sky, because we, we took time to be still. It says, they're blessed are your eyes because they see. 
and your ears because they hear. And what, what we find is this, we step into stillness, we see more, we hear more. Have you ever had that thing where you go to a conference and all of a sudden God's speaking? Is it that God only speaks at conferences? Or is it that we're paying attention, we're still enough? Right? Because the Lord is always speaking, his word's eternal. His words have gone forth, continue to go forth, speaking over our lives. But are we still enough to catch them? Are we still enough to lean into them? We can hear it, it can wash over us, but are we still enough to listen? Stillness takes a bit of patience. It takes more than five minutes. It takes 20, 30, 40 minutes. If you're a monk, it can take hours. You might be blessed with that ability, but if you're like me, you're restless. It is a challenge. And you've got to discipline yourself and say, I'm going to, I'm going to be still right now. And listen for the still, small voice of the Lord. And it's harder for some than others. But in that, we become malleable in reflection. We can be spurred on by conversation, but in stillness, we go a little bit deeper. And then a fourth way this might help you is worship and waiting. It's not the same as stillness. Worship and waiting. Verse 17, for truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. And in, in the stillness and in the hearing and listening of what God is saying, sometimes we need to focus ourselves. And one of the ways we do that is worship, song worship. The reason why we spend so time, we're going to do it again today. The reason why we spend so much time in worship is that it, it concentrates us on God. It focuses us on the Lord. And then as we do that, we wait. We have no agenda. We've no assumption about what God is going to do. We've, we've no sense of, well, this is very familiar. I know what happens here. This is just another Sunday. This is just another worship time. No, we're going to wait because we believe that the Lord is speaking something present and live to us. And it's different from stillness because stillness involves a bit of quiet and solitude. But worship involves singing out these truths that make us pay attention to our Heavenly Father. Make us pay attention to who God is. And as we do that, that's what we're doing. We're leaning in. We're pressing in. We're stepping in. We're carving out time for him to speak. And there's so many ways that you can spend time with the Lord. There's so many ways you can go from hearing to listening. These are just four that maybe will help you. If you're new to church, pick one. If you're not so new to church, still pick one. Uh, maybe <laughs> you're not exempt. Um, but maybe it's a revisiting for you on those things. I'm, I'm going to invite the worship team and... We're going to spend a bit of time in worship and waiting. But maybe, maybe this is a challenge for you. you know, you've maybe heard that it's said, be doers of the word. Uh, but I say to you, uh, be listeners of the word as well. Because um, we can be so obsessed with doing things for the Lord, right? We can be so obsessed with achieving, pressing forward. And again, it's not that you shouldn't do those things. Of course we should. But it's got to come from a place of intimacy with Jesus. And it's found in listening to the Lord. And so I don't know what it is for you this week. Maybe you want to start a conversation with somebody. Don't wait for an orchestrated moment. You know, it's great if you can do that at your small group nights. No, wonderful. But you can maybe just invite somebody and say, hey, look, I know you're a, a kingdom person. You've got a faith. It really spurs me on. I'd love to just talk. Not a real agenda, but just see what comes up. See what the Lord does. Maybe something will spark in you. Maybe the other thing you can try rather than conversation is perhaps reflect on a passage of scripture and abandon any assumptions about what that scripture means. Abandon any assumptions about your worldview and your perspective and 
your agenda, but just say, Lord, will you make me malleable in this moment? Would you shape me? Perhaps for you, it's carving out time to be still. It might even involve locking yourself in the bathroom for 10 minutes. Or an easier way would be go to bed 20 minutes early, but don't really go to sleep in that moment. Just be still. Focus on the Lord. Libby shared a great illustration of uh, John Wesley's mum. Go back two weeks and listen to that. She used to just put the apron over her head, but just be still. Try and be mindful to God in that moment. Empty yourself of, any of anything else pressing in. Not always easy to do. Well, finally, for you, it might be to sing a few worship songs. And again, we do this on a Sunday morning, but you can also do this at home. You can put a few songs on, listening to them on our headphones. Spend two or three songs just singing and then just wait and invite the Holy Spirit to work in your heart. See what happens. See what God does. And as we do that, let's go from just hearing to listening. Let's go from just hearing all the noise and all the chatter and all the things that press in on us, but actually listen to the Lord. What is he saying to us right now? What is he speaking to us? What is he stirring your heart for? And what we discover in those moments will be leading for us. So often we're obsessed with getting a word to do the next thing. But God is far more interested in who you are and what you carry than where you go and what you do.